Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We have Dr. Tim Barber, um, and he's going to be helping us work through some things all about creating a vision, what does purpose look like, how does balance kind of fit into that. There's going to be a lot they're going to be talking about um, and what that looks like from the counselor perspective. Before I go over and tell you about Tim, uh, he gave me permission to, to call him Tim, Dr. Barber did. As, as we go over to him, I do want to make sure that you know about the Grace Story YouTube channel. If you go over to YouTube, type in Grace Story Ministries, uh, there's all sorts of videos popping up over there, highlights of conference, uh, some of the, uh, the the episodes from this podcast are popping up over there if that's a platform you prefer to use, and um, all sorts of YouTube shorts um, as well. So if you have an attention span issue, there's something over there for you as well. Uh, so again, head on over to YouTube. Um, and you can type in Grace Story Ministries. I'll put a link in the show notes below. So if you want to, you can just, while you're listening, scroll down there, tap on that. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. In fact, if you subscribe and hit the bell, you'll be one of the first to know when a new uh, video or short hits that channel. So uh, go on and head on over there. We almost have 200 subscribers already. It's only been a couple months uh, out. So uh, you don't want to miss out. Uh, FOMO is real. So head on over there and, and check that out. Now, Dr. Barber, or Tim, he has served 22 years, uh, served 22 years as a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. In 2000, he was awarded a Master of Arts in Counseling, and in 2003, he began counseling and teaching full-time. Uh, he was also awarded a Doctorate of Ministry in Spiritual Formation from Asbury Theological Seminary. Tim is the principal owner of Counseling Alliance LLC up in the Cincinnati area. Uh, Tim and his wife Peggy, they'll be celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary uh, this year on July 9th. They have three adult children and six grandchildren, and we have him here on the podcast today. Uh, Tim, how you doing? Hi, you're fantastic. It's good to be here. I love that we're going to be able to pick your brain. I was telling you in the pre-show, I feel like this is just a personal counseling session because I got to pick all the questions, so it's going to be good. Um, I get to ask the tough questions then for you. <laughs> so I asked a uh, another counselor recently the same question. I wanted to to, to send it over to you, but um, kind of what what attracted you to counseling in the first place? How did you actually break into the profession? Uh, how did that go about? Oh, that's a story that I I uh, actually love to tell. Um, I was in uh, pastoral ministry, as you said, and we made a transition from North Carolina to Northern Kentucky and um, good people in that church. Um, but there was also some people that really had some struggles. Uh, we had some marriages that were not doing well. Uh, we had um, a couple of people that had run into some legal problems. Uh, we had some folk with addictions. And uh, I just felt uh, a bit overwhelmed by uh, the severity of the issues that I was seeing. And I thought, I might take a counseling class or two and just kind of sharpen my skills around dealing with these things. Uh, so I found out about uh, what was then Cincinnati Bible Seminary. Uh, went up, took a couple of classes, uh, liked the, the, the classes, loved the teachers, 
um, took another class, took another class, uh, and finally just officially applied to membership in the uh, Masters of Arts and Counseling program. One of the neat things that that program did was in the second semester, they actually throw you into the setting where you're actually working with live clients. Mm, yeah. uh, lots of supervision, lots of oversight, but uh, in the second semester, I was sitting down with people doing counseling. I felt comfortable having been a pastor for, for uh, 20, so, 20 or so years at that point. Um, but the funny thing that happened for me was I started noticing change in the clients that I was working with. And I began thinking about the changes that I had seen in people in pastoral ministry. And we'd had some good ministries. But the change that I was seeing in people's lives through counseling was happening more quickly and very often happening at a deeper level. Hmm. And I said, this, this is where I need to be. And I started um, working towards making that transition. And as you said, 2003, I transitioned out of pastoral ministry and full-time into counseling. And they, uh, the school actually had an opening in the faculty and they invited me to come be a part of the faculty. So you have, you have a new, a unique perspective then of, you know, the pastoral setting and the counseling setting. And, and there are some that, um, we, we have had, uh, that, that say that, you know, counseling should only be done by pastors. There is to tr- truly be a biblical Christian worldview counselor. That's just a pastor. Um, so maybe in a nutshell, what, what is your response to those individuals since you've done both? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, the, the, uh, the approach that says, you know, Bible only in terms of counseling, uh, I have a great deal of respect for that. I hold a very high view of scripture, but I, I think when, for me, at least when we limit ourselves to just what the Bible talks about, we have excluded an entire wealth of knowledge about human personality uh, how the mind works, uh, what science is telling us about uh, about so many different issues, trauma, marriage, uh, addiction, the list goes on. Uh, and I believe that uh, God is very much um, involved in that process. Some people would say all truth is God's truth. Uh, and uh, so I very much uh, believe that um, you know, that has a lot to say to us. The other piece of that, though, the the other way, and you may have talked about this in, a, in another show, but um, when I think about what it means to be a Christian counselor, it means that I work from a Christian worldview, which is biblically based. That means when science comes along and tells us something that is inconsistent with Scripture, I can go back to that and say, no, that's a bar of the title of an old movie. That's a bridge too far. I, I just, I can't go sure. to that place. Uh, so I've, I, I am what I consider a Christian counselor because my worldview in living is based on a relationship with Christ and what scripture reveals to us about who God says that we are and how we are to live. And it, it, it would correlate. So when I'm, uh, I'm a registered nurse, so I do things with the body. Um, but certainly everything that I am doing 
that that is through a Christian worldview. Um, I certainly do that in a public secular setting as well. Um, but there are opportunities where I can show the love of Christ or just the the fruits of the Spirit um, as I'm imparting uh, what is healing to another individual because that healing starts the beginning at the moment the trauma has started. So once that trauma has started and finished, that's when healing begins. So um, with, with the healing journey, as people are looking for a counselor, um, again, someone who kind of, it sounds like you did the camel under the nose flap approach to getting, getting into uh, counseling. Uh, what, what are some of those characteristics that, that you as an administrator um, of a counseling service, and then you've also had that faculty experience and you're doing it yourself. So I think you could speak to this uh, pretty well. What are some of those characteristics of a good counselor that one can be looking for that you even look for? When they're coming to your uh, to to work for you or learn from you, uh, what are those characteristics we should be looking for as we're looking for a counselor to help us on that healing journey? Great question, um, because uh, there is a wide variety of approaches to doing counseling. Particularly if the if the person seeking counseling is a believer, then it's perfectly appropriate to think about where can I find someone who approaches this from a Christian perspective. And scripturally based, and that for some that may be scripture only. Uh, for others, it may be, as I described before, uh, a, a Christian counselor in the sense of holding a, a Christian worldview, but also relying upon what science can tell us. I would also look for somebody who is experienced in the field in which you are hurting, because um, counseling, like medicine. Uh, is, is a wide, there's a wide variety of not only approaches, but also topics. And even though our, our educational programs um, for a master's of arts in counseling is a, is a fairly general program that allows us to work with a lot of different issues, uh, the best counselors I feel uh, go on and develop specialties in particular areas. So if I'm looking for a marriage, counselor, I want to know that this person has training and experience that goes beyond just the master's level. They've, they've read, they've gone to workshops, they've maybe even acquired a certification uh, in, in that field. Um, I told, when I was teaching, I told, uh, I told the students in the program, um, this is only your beginning in the educational process. You, you need to continue on and find your niche and become really good at what you do. Uh, so I would say, um, first of all, is this person in agreement with my worldview? Uh, secondly, are they experienced and trained in the area in which I am um, seeking help? Uh, be two of the key factors that I would look for. Well, and uh, that's why all those initials after people's names, it's not just to make the email longer. Um, <laughs> They, and, and part of the help with that, you know, the listener, if, if you're wondering, yeah, well, I, that, that makes sense, but I still don't know where to start. Go to GraceStoryMinistries.com. Uh, there is a counselor referral link there. I haven't seen anything like it. Um, it's literally, you click there, it's, it's private. It goes right to our content strategy director, Ryan Waters. And then he essentially personally shops for a counselor that's as close to you as possible uh, that is certified or qualified for what's going on with you. 
Um, so I haven't seen anything like that. Um, so head on over to gracestoryministries.com. There's a link in the show notes for that as well um, if you're needing some help. Um, speaking of Grace Story uh, Conference, um, it, just before we jump into some of the other questions, you've been, just like me, to the Women's Conference. Uh, we've been some of those men in the shadows uh, supporting, whether that's in the counselor room or with you know some of the side stage things or, or just you know prayer, whatever it may be. What, what is your perspective of Grace Story and the conferences and what kind of need do you feel like it's meeting? And maybe overall, why do you support Grace Story? Why are you a part of it? Oh, people are hurting. Just in, in essence, um, people, people are hurting. And I think that uh, what I have seen in Grace Story has been such a breath of fresh air. It's coming at things from a positive perspective. It's it's offering hope. It's it's addressing particular issues. Uh, there are just so many different ways that I feel like uh, Grace Story has has really been that breath of fresh air uh, within within our church world and within the Christian realm that uh, people are ready for. I need to hear something more, something new, something that speaks directly to me. That to me doesn't take anything away from what happens on a Sunday morning or in our private devotions. Uh, it's just finding that thing that really begins to address the pain in our lives. And it's connecting as, as evidenced by the growth that you're seeing there. Well, I agree. It, it, I say that from not just being a part of it, but experiencing it. I, I say it's my favorite women's conference I go to every year. Uh, but so that's why I'm super excited that men's conference is coming up in 2023. Um, that's launching uh, the legacy conference and all the story, knowing your story, understanding your story, because uh, and, and you'll be speaking that at that as well on the topic of intimacy. And it's my understanding from from my little uh, corner of the world that one of the number one things that's affected out of trauma is our ability to be intimate with other human beings. Um, and it just, it just trashes that for the, the individual. Um, so I can't wait for your session on that. Um, but, but today we were looking at, um, in the pre-show the, the vision and purpose. And, um, we had talked about how balance plays into that. And there was a phrase that you mentioned about how, how vision may be more important than balance in your life. Am I getting that right? Or, and, and I, I heard you say that, and I was like, well, that doesn't make sense to me because life is all about balance. We're looking for equilibrium. Our bodies are looking for homeostasis. We're always looking for, uh, what, you know, organization in our home and that uh, to borrow the Eastern, the chi, the energy of our, you know, everything must have balance. So when you said uh, the vision, the vision one has for their life, and that opened a can of worms for me because I'm like, okay, well, time out, vision a personal vision. I know for an organization, you know, there's all sorts of boardrooms. You'll you'll meet together and you'll plot out the vision, the mission of the organization, and this is where we're going and this is how we're going to go there. But how does one do that? So maybe to set you off uh, of explaining that, I'll come back to that balance or vision over balance. And maybe what is vision and purpose for starters? What is vision for one's life, the, the personal one? Vision is that sense of um, where I see myself. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing pop up today, uh, 
is people asking the question is, what is your why? Why do you do this? Why do you like this? Why do you pursue this? What gives your life purpose? What gives your life vision? What shapes that? Uh, for me, vision and, and balance uh, are kind of a chicken and an egg type thing, you know, which comes first. And for many people, uh, especially these this day and time, there are just so incredibly many options of things to do in life, uh, many of which are wholesome and, and good. Uh, but you can spend hours, days, weeks getting caught up in something um, that's, you know, it's not bad in and of itself, but it takes us away from things that may well be more important. And so we think, oh, I've gotten out of balance here. You know, my woodworking is taking too much time and I'm not spending enough time with my wife. So uh, for me, having a vision of who I am uh, becomes more important, more important than balance. When I think of balance, I think of the magician who's trying to spin all the plates. And, and they run from one to the, to the other to the other, usually going back and forth, back and forth, trying to keep the plate spinning so that none fall from the little stick that they're balancing on. Uh, and inevitably, one of two things will happen if I'm striving for that kind of balance in life. Either I'm going to stop dropping things or start dropping things, or I'm going to be exhausted and just collapse myself. But if I have a vision of this is who I am, these are the plates that define me. These are the plates that I think God would you know, cast out for me in terms of my calling and my sense of purpose. And, and I center my life around those uh, topics, those plates, so to speak. Uh, then um, the other thing comes into the balance that we're looking for comes into place then because I'm, I, I can say no. I say, well, here's a nice thing over here. That'd be fun to do, but no, that's, that's not what I feel like I'm called to do. Uh, and so I can, it, it really enables me to say no to a lot of things um, that uh, other people find very appealing and very, very exciting. I used, to, I used to be a very avid fisherman. I still have some of my fishing gear. I haven't fished in years. And part of the reason why I gave that up is because um, fishing, my wife doesn't like to fish. Uh, so fishing took me away from my family. And uh, that took me away from my vision because I believe family is, is uh, apart from my relationship with God, the most important thing in my life. That kind of is the way that I'm thinking about that. Feel free to ask a follow-up and see if we can make that a bit more clear. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's less of, it doesn't sound like you're diminishing the importance of balance itself. It sounds like uh, what I get to do if I have a vision, I get to, instead of, instead of running around all the plates, I mean, like, just step back and look, do, do I actually need all these plates exactly. to fulfill what's going on? Um, I can let that one drop or maybe I can go ahead and intentionally set it down. Uh, so I don't break that relationship to take the metaphor to its fullest extent there. Mm -hmm. But with that, so, but that, that leads me to another question because, you know, 
that can get messy. If I've got all these plates spinning, relationships, things I've uh, committed to, um, church and youth camps and work and after school programs, I'm going to announce this and I'm going to do that. How do I start? uh, Maybe I'm listening to you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I could really stop spinning a lot of plates. That'd be awesome. But I, I don't know my vision, first of all. So I guess I have a two-part question. What is a healthy way of developing your own personal vision in life with a Christian worldview so that I don't, you know, that I stay within the, the safety bumpers of Scripture and God's Word? And then how do I implement that in a healthy way? Because, uh, man, it sounds like you're talking about implementing boundaries as well, which can... That can get messy too because relationships are messy. So a two-part question there to follow up. How do I health put put in a healthy how do I develop a vision that is healthy and and from a Christian worldview? And then how do I actually implement that in a healthy way? It's easier said than done, no doubt. Uh, you know, rather than saying this is the way that you should do it, I think the best way for me to approach that is simply to say, this is the way that I have done it. And, and I'll, you know, I just turned 70 uh, a few months ago and, and I'm still refining my vision. I don't think, you know, I, as, as long as God allows me to, to live and to have a clear mind, I hope I am still clarifying that vision because there is the big picture that I want to, to live for God and, and to glorify him in my life. I want to um, honor my family and, and support them across the board in every way that I can. Uh, I have friends, I have staff, uh, I have other people that are important, uh, and I spend time and, and try to pour my life into, and they pour their life into me, so it's reciprocal. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it comes down to partly, and here's where I have to be careful, what feels right for me. And when I say I have to be careful, it's it's not just an emotional decision. It's do I feel like this is the right thing, the right thing for my relationship with God, the right thing for my relationship with my with my wife. Uh, as you said, Peggy and I will be married 45 years in July. Um, I want to honor her through the choices that I make. Uh, my three children, my, my daughter was a, daughter-in-laws and my son-in-law, the six grandchildren, uh, I want to honor them. Um, so part of it is is sort of feeling my way through that, but it's not just an emotionally based thing. It's based on these are the priorities that I believe that God has laid upon my heart uh, to, to keep first and foremost. Well, on that, because I hear what you're saying about being careful because there can be some, I, I always have this critic in the back of my head that's mm-hmm. critiquing everything I say and like taking the other person's point of view. And I, I can just hear someone listening and like, hmm, feelings-based humanism. I see where we're going with this. Ah, yeah. but whatever feels good, a little hedonism coming in, passion and pleasure. And like, um, But it sounds like it, you're talking more about that that discernment which has an element of feeling to it, which is why we keep ourselves so close to God's word, um, our relationship with Christ, our identity in him, and working our way through what what is the Holy Spirit telling me today? Because 
the same power uh, is inside of me, uh, you know, that raised Christ from the dead. So that's the Holy Spirit. So if if He's that that same power is within me, that I I am so close to the Holy Spirit, and he can, he can prompt me through feelings just as much as anything else that He's created in me. So I wanted to give that caveat uh, because I I do think there's an element of feeling and the emotions that uh, frankly are a part of our being made in the image of God. Um, and, and I'll throw it back to you on that because uh, feeling is important on which direction you're going in life. Yeah, and, and you use the word discernment, which is an absolutely essential word in this whole process. In some, in some sense, it's really easy. God told us what's most important. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. End of story. How do, how do we play that out on a daily basis? You know, uh, so who is my neighbor? You know, the parables that Jesus gave us. Um, there's tremendous guidance there in Scripture to help us understand if I'm truly trying to keep God first in my life, then I have I have that resource to help me shape my vision and to be shaped by it. And that's where the emotional, the, the discernment piece comes into play. So if I feel pulled towards something, but the Holy Spirit checks me on that and says, mm, no, that's just not where you need to be and what you need to pour your life into. And I can back off. That's where the boundary setting comes into play. I can say, sounds like a great project for somebody, but that's not for me. Let, let's camp out here for a second, and I'll, I'll bring you back around to the implementation of the vision because we're, we're going down a road that I really like uh, because there's there's one thing I always struggled with growing up is hearing about the call, and you're going to have a call, and God's, God's going to give you clear direction for the calling on your life. And I grew up on a Bible college campus, and there was ample opportunities for the call. Uh, my strategy was, uh, I'm going to give the first two years here of college uh, for God to call me to full-time pastoral ministry. Um, and if I get that call, I'm already set. I can go into the bachelor level program. It's just seamlessly going into it. And man, I, I'm traveling around in quartet. I'm, I'm uh, testifying. I have a relationship with Christ. And and I just, every, every time I go to the altar, I'm like, where's the call? I don't know what I'm looking for actually with it either. Like, is there, do I need to go all Gideon on it and get a, a sheep fleece or how does this work? Um, and I think there's others out there that may be experiencing that even, even, even now wondering what is God's calling on my life? And I think it goes to the same thing of that we're talking about developing that vision as I'm developing my vision, there is a, a sidebar of it of, how do I discern the calling of God on my life so that I can plug that into the vision I'm developing? Um, do you have any words of wisdom on that side of things? I know it's kind of a, a sidecar to it, but how do I discern God's will for my life? You know, <laughs> in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> I've, I've known a few people who I consider to be very fortunate where um, they had a, a powerful encounter with God where they felt as though God specifically called them to a particular field of, of work, whether that be pastoral ministry, an evangelist, song evangelist, music, um, medicine, counseling, uh, whatever. 
they, they felt something powerful shift within them, uh, hearing that, that still small voice that can sometimes shout to us because it's when we, when we are, when we get to that place where we can discern, this is, this is from the Lord. Um, that's very powerful for anybody. The challenge is a lot of people never get to that place. And so it becomes rather vague. And so well, I think this is what God's calling me to, or I'm seeking after clarity on this. And that's where, um, again, speaking from my own experience, that's where um, me kind of feeling my way, what's working, what's God blessing, uh, what do I feel that is very rewarding here and consistent with the person that God would call me to be. God will never call us to something that's inconsistent with his word. I truly believe that. Um, I can I can get excited about something. Um, I have a friend who's, he, he went through the counseling program with me. Um, it was actually quite good at what he did. Um, but after a while, he just said, this isn't for me. And he changed careers. And he's a financial, certified financial planner now. And he likes what he's doing um, because he is able to help people in a different way, in a different manner. So I, I don't, for me, a call is not always fixed and rigid and unchangeable. It, it flows out of the relationship that I have with God and the relationship that I have with other people. And where is, does God seem to be blessing and leading uh, and creating passion within me. And um, that's, that's, I don't know how to make it clear, crystal clear about follow these three steps and you'll get it. Well, I, I think I think you are making it crystal clear that there aren't three steps and you'll get it. I hear I hear a lot uh, of what you what you said over the last couple minutes, uh, the keyword flexibility. Um, not rigidity and, and understanding that even as we, and we'll probably talk about boundaries here in a minute, but even boundaries can change over time. I set a boundary now that I'm not locked into that forever. Relationship change, uh, relationships change, boundaries change, um, things about life. The one thing consistent in life is change. It's, it can be neither good nor bad. It's, it's something we just deal with. Um, so it sounds like you, you are clear in that, like, don't look for the one, two, three, don't look for the, ah, this, uh, the number 28 came to mind and I opened up to Jeremiah 28 and that is now my calling. Um, you, you might get stuck in something like down a rabbit trail, Alice yes. in Wonderland with that. Um, mm -hmm. so, so with that, it, it sounds like also you're saying the, the vision and the calling kind of work in tandem if i'm hearing you right where you develop a vision you lay it before god and he may say yeah that's great uh and you walk in all the light that you've been given so far and then you get more hey this opportunity is here does it fit within my vision has things changed because you haven't always had a family or, or kids as part of your vision i'm sure so things change as you go along so what's a what's a healthy strategy as I'm developing that, that vision, I'm sitting down, I'm seeing what's important in my life. I'm seeing what plates need to be placed down. 
What's a healthy strategy for, for as I've implemented or, or, or developed that strategy to actually put it into action without just destroying relationships and I'm cutting off friends because the only thing important is this. You know, how do I do that in a healthy way? Oh, with, with uh, lots of prayer, um, with uh, consultation with other trusted friends and advisors who you feel like have uh, something to offer in that area of life. Um, certainly what's consistent with scripture and in, what's inconsistent with scripture. Um, timing is also a key issue. There's two, two times, um, well, one time in particular that I really surprised my wife. We, uh, we were in a church and we felt as though it was, it was probably time for us to look for another place of ministry. I uh, felt like God had, uh, was bringing our work in that particular church to a close. And so we was going, we were going through the interview process and, uh, I met with the, I met with the leaders of the church and, uh, at this particular meeting, they asked that my wife sit in the meeting with us. And so she was there and they, they asked me about my calling. Um, and I used a phrase, uh, and, um, Peggy didn't, she didn't interrupt me, but almost immediately after we left, she said, why did you answer the question that way? Cause I answered the question about my calling by saying, I believe that God has called me to full-time Christian service. I didn't say to be a pastor. So there's, there is that, that word flexibility that you mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and it was, you know, at that, you know, in the timing of things at that point, um, I was already uh, doing some counseling. I was, I had not uh, graduated yet. Um, I was starting to think about, okay, where do I go from here? What is the next step that God has for me? Uh, so, just being patient with that process and letting things unfold in God's timing. Uh, when that guy, as you mentioned in the intro, I received my master's of arts in counseling in 2000. I didn't really leave pastoral ministry until 2003. Why? Why the three years there? Uh, because I didn't feel like Peggy and I were on board. And, and so the, the, the relational component of vision and calling is such that, um, uh, and I've, unfortunately, I've heard people say, well, God's calling me to do this. And um, I've heard it at, around some really bizarre things, such as seeking a divorce. Uh, and uh, I think the relational component of what's right for the family, what's right for us, uh, what. It has to be factored into this whole very complex formula that's somewhat, I, would, I don't know if subjective is the right word, but um, there's a lot of inner self-examination, discernment, uh, unless God comes to us with this booming, clear voice and written in giant letters in the sky, uh, I'm going to have to really look at this from multiple perspectives. 
Well, and, and that, that goes to some of uh, what we talked with, with Dr. David Jones from Liberty University and his, his, his Be Well model that he's putting out there, uh, going through those different facets of, of, of all of me, including my, my community around me, my, my soul, my heart, my well-being, my, my uh, emotional health, my physical health, taking stock of all those and, and having that, uh, that full accounting of what's going on in my life, uh, that self-reflection, so important. So a little bit of a sidebar here, um, and kind of goes along the same vein. And, and I may be the only one that you know it kind of applies to. But you know, if you if you go to switching a, a career or you go to switching your calling in life, you can sometimes feel like an imposter. Like, what was that even the real call? Did, 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 am I letting somebody down? And then there's also the other side of it. There may be some shame, blame, and guilt of people trying to get you to <clears throat> stay in that same vein of, of, of a career, um, saying, Hey, you know, this was your calling. Don't give up on God. Don't backslide. You know, you, you need to stay in it. Burn out for Jesus is something I heard out, <laughs> heard growing up, burn out for Jesus. You can do it. Uh, he will sustain you as you are on your deathbed, I guess. I don't know. Um, so those two extremes are also some things that may keep us from that flexibility of, of maintaining and cultivating the vision for our lives. How, how do we go about navigating those two extremes? You know, I, th- I think, again, from my perspective, I, I can't answer this for every person, but um, through my educational process, through my work experience, through um, just being with people, and, and seeing this is what energizes me. This is what excites me. This is the pull that I feel. Uh, and being able to, to work with that, pray about that, um, talk, to, talk to, you know, people older, more experienced, more, more wise in the ways of God. Um, years ago, we were having a, uh, a family camp and one of my pro- professors from my uh, seminary days was there. And I asked for a few minutes alone with him and I, I could sense that there was something stirring within me. I felt uneasy about, about um, being a pastor, quite frankly. I was in that transition thinking, is this really right? I respected uh, Dr. Weigelt tremendously just not only as a teacher, but as a, as a man of God. And I said, uh, at some point in, in there, I said, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm preaching, I'm visiting, I'm praying, I'm ministering to people who are hurting. I'm doing the work of a pastor, but I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And he said, well, all you need is traction. (laughs) That's about the dumbest answer I believe I've ever had. <laughs> very helpful. Wow. Yeah, very helpful. <laughs> but we went on and unpacked that. And in unpacking that, where we came to in that conversation was what moves you forward? What you know, if we think about our if we think about our Christian life, hopefully for our listeners. We can look at times and events in our lives that have moved us forward, propelled us in our faith walk, our faith journey. 
And, and I think the same thing has happened in the calling that we have. God will sometimes come in and say, yeah, let's tweak this. Let's take this to a, to a different level or maybe even to a different area of, of work. Uh, and um, I truly believe, you know, God's not, God's unchangeable uh, in the sense that he doesn't change. But if we look at the story of God through the centuries, the millennia, God changes people. And, and so to be flexible, follow the leadership, uh, if nothing else, you know, follow the pillar of fire by, by night and the cloud by day, where, where is God leading? And, and again, we're circling back around to that whole thing of discernment. Sure. And I'm, I, man, there's so much to get to because even that we could go down the road of what, what about those times where I don't feel God and I can't see the pillar and the, the fire's not there. And, you know, it's talking about, well, maybe that's a time for self-reflection of going back in and, and seeing all the times that God was there's, there's so much to get to there, but I, I, I have, uh, I have to narrow it down. I, this always happens to me because I have too many questions. But I, I want to get to this one because we, we touched on it for, for a second, and then I'll, I'll have one more for you. Uh, the, the burnout, <laughs> burnout for Jesus. Um, I, I, I don't see it in Scripture myself, but, you know, it seemed to be a scriptural principle for some growing out, uh, growing up. Um, so maybe if I know that that's not a, uh, a fruit of the Spirit, burnout is not a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, what, how can I keep from getting you know, burnout while fulfilling my calling? Um, and, and maybe a further question, what is the balance between sacrificing for the kingdom of God and self-care? There, there is this mentality for some people that uh, we do need to burn out for God and just, you know, go, 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 push, 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 do, do, do. And um, the unfortunate thing about that is uh, we do burn out. We have, we have a certain amount of physical, emotional, intellectual, and I firmly believe spiritual energy at any given time. Uh, now, God's power is unlimited, no doubt. But um, this is not the kind of thing where I can go, 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 and do, do, do without taking time to replenish. Jesus slipped off up into the mountains to pray. It was a part of his pattern. As I read through the Gospels and I look at his, his I get the picture that every place that he went, he was being bombarded by questions from the disciples, by, by pleas for help from the people, by accusations from the religious leaders of the day. And you can stay in there and you can fight toe to toe and you can, you can go to the, you know, the countless number of people who are hurting and provide healing and do all these kinds of things, but still he found it important to slip away and take care of himself. And if we don't have self-care built into our vision, then what happens, two things potentially that I see uh, more often than not. One is maybe three things now that I think about it. One is we just get burned out in the sense that my work, um, I'm going through the motions. It, it's not fulfilling. Uh, I, don't really, I don't really take the time to hear from God or I've kind of gone into that dark night of the soul period in my life where God seems distant and I become very ineffective 
in, in those times. Uh, other things that are important to me also begin to, to suffer. Family. Uh, I have um, seen way too many pastors and pastors' wives who have lost their children to the kingdom because they gave so much of their time and so much of their energy to the people in the church. And I understand it. I understand God has called us to minister to people. I get it. But I tried always, and I didn't do it successfully 100% of the time, but I always tried to look and say, my first congregation is my family. Mm, Yeah. And that allowed me to set some boundaries. I learned a hard lesson about that. We had a, had a person, uh, he was a, um, a binge drinker. He was alcoholic. He would go through periods where he might be for three, four, five, six months, he'd be completely sober, not have a drink. And something would happen in his life, and all of a sudden he's on a binge, and he would drink and drink and drink, uh, often become suicidal in that process. Called me up on Christmas Eve. And I could hear in his voice that he was down, not just drunk, but really down emotionally. And um, I said, okay, I'll come over. Well, I'll, I'll see you in a bit. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'll go. He'll be drunk. I'll take him over, get him into to a detox unit. About an hour, I could be back home. He didn't cooperate with that plan. <laughs> And so I ended up spending about four hours with him on Christmas Eve. And when I came home, I had a disappointed family. And so never again, never again. My family has to come first. And that's a hard, hard boundary. Uh, I found that there were other ways to work with him. There were other resources that I could bring to bear. So I don't just abandon him, uh, but I could hand off the care to somebody who uh, is there, you know, and that's their job to be there, be available to crisis management team on a, on a Christmas Eve or a Christmas day or my child's birthday or whatever it may be. The balance between sacrificing, uh, for the kingdom, uh, and, and maintaining that vision, the personal vision that you set in place, where does, where does that balance it's cause it's hard. Um, and you know, yeah. so the first, first thing you said there was, you know, the priority uh, it sounds almost like there's a triage that takes place where you're like, Hey, okay. Funneling things through my vision statement, which ultimately sets up even more importance on the vision statement. Um, cause Christmas Eve, Hey, this guy needs help. He's suicidal. Life is on the line. Um, if I haven't prepared for this moment with a vision statement, my priorities and a backup plan for this gentleman, um, sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel like I need to go because this is my calling. That also fits in my vision statement. Um, so yeah, I can see how people get burnt out for Jesus just trying to do that. Uh, are are there other ways that we can avoid uh, that burnout when it comes to uh, sacrificing for the kingdom um, besides the vision statement and setting that priority? There's a phrase that we use in in counseling, uh, and I will apologize to some listeners who may take offense to this uh, in advance. But there's a concept that we see in in, in counseling where um, if, you, if you think about where do I find the help that I need, 
Where do I find the strength to make a change? Where do I find the insight to help me see my problem from a different perspective? There, there are those who will seek help, certainly seek scripture, spend lots of time in prayer, maybe come to a counselor. And there are others who just say, well, I just need to pray more. I just need to read more scripture. God will provide the answer. And I'm not doubting for one moment his ability to do that. The challenge is that I often find that isn't the way that God works. And he often works through people, through relationship. The phrase that we use to describe that is a spiritual bypass. And in terms of the way I define a spiritual bypass is I'm looking for God to solve um, a non-spiritual problem from only spiritual resources. If I just pray more, if I just serve more, if I just give more, if I just whatever, fill in the blank, more, then God will solve this problem. Well, if I have diabetes, and I believe that God has the ability to provide physical healing, I've seen it happen in people's lives, but I've also seen a lot of people that did not take care of themselves and say, well, God's going to, God's going to solve this problem. And it didn't happen. And so we have to utilize other resources. One of the things that happens in this whole thing of burnout is if I just trust that God will give me the strength, we can do this together. Okay. And again, I don't doubt God's power and ability to use us in powerful ways, even beyond our, our normal reserves. But if I keep pushing it in that direction, I will become so depleted that I have now made myself ineffective. Back in the Middle Ages, there was a writer whose name escapes me at the moment, talked about the difference between a river and a reservoir. In a river, whatever flows downstream flows right on through. Uh, and so in times of flood, you have plenty. In times of drought, you have little. In a reservoir, there are dams and there are ways to control the flow of the water. So in times of plenty, you're able to build that reservoir up. And in times of drought, you draw upon those resources that you have reserved, okay? Many believers these days have, have forgotten this whole concept of the reservoir from a spiritual perspective. And so we don't do a lot of the classic spiritual disciplines well. We don't do a lot of fasting. Uh, we don't do a lot of meditation. Meditation is it's classic. David meditated on the Psalms. Choose one verse, one word, one phrase, uh, and just roll over in your mind as many times as you can throughout the course of the day. What did God want to say to me through this phrase? And, and just spend time communing with God around something small. Uh, that does two or three things. One is, this is a phrase that actually comes from another faith tradition, but I think it is applicable. 
Uh, for the untrained, undisciplined mind, it is the mind of a thousand chattering monkeys. <laughs> uh, we've all been there, myself it makes, included. It makes sense. Bombarding ideas and thoughts that seem disconnected from one another, and uh, they're random. And we wonder what in the world can stay focused. And part of that is because we haven't worked to train our mind mm. to think on things for extended periods of time. And that's where Christian meditation, I'm not talking Buddhism, uh, Christian meditation on scripture um, can help us to discipline our mind. We don't do that very well Mm -hmm. these days. We don't, we don't soak and simmer in, in the classics very often. Um, And when I say classics, I'm talking, let's go back to the desert fathers. I just read something this week, actually, or this past week, um, from a writer. Uh, he died in 399 AD. And it was one of the most powerful passages that I had read on prayer in years. And it, and it really helped me to think, wow, I need to incorporate more of this in my prayer life uh, to help me pray more effectively. Because for many people, our prayers are just, I'm praying about things that are important, people who are sick that I hope that God will heal, um, problems that I hope that God will intervene. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is a marvelous model. There's so many different things. Our daily needs, uh, forgiveness, um, that God's plan would be a part of this world, where your kingdom come. Uh, so to, to think broadly about our spiritual life, uh, and in Richard Foster's classic, still a classic, this celebration of discipline talks about 12 classic spiritual disciplines. And I would venture to, I would venture to guess that most of us probably only use two or three of those on a regular basis. Those kind of things help us to stay grounded. They help us to clarify our vision. They help us to to find ways to be able to set boundaries and say, no, that's not where I feel like God is is calling and where God is leading. Uh, Dallas Willard years ago wrote a book um, and it was republished under a different title. But the the topic of the book was hearing God's voice. Mm. And he he made the, the observation. He said, if you read scripture, God was talking to people all the time. They were getting direct messages from God. These days, if we say God told me to do something, people would look at you like you, have you seen an UFO or something. Uh, we have forgotten that God wants to communicate to us. But in order for that to happen, we have to train our minds and train our spirits to be able to hear that. And and that's not something typically that we just pick up overnight. That that comes from utilizing the classic spiritual disciplines over a period of time. So to come full circle, Nate, when I think about creating a vision versus balance, Mm. then that vision is going to come out of a well-rounded 
Use the word balanced if you like. I don't care. Well-rounded spiritual life where I'm drawing from many wells, scripture, prayer, other people, my own personal experience, uh, Wesley's quadrilateral of scripture being primary, uh, tradition being important. We should not forget the, the, the spiritual giants that have gone before us, uh, our own personal experience, and in reason. You know, these things work together to help us un- to discern and understand where God's leading and, and what God's will for our lives may be. So uh, there's not one quick, simple formula to put that vision together. Uh, but I think if we, if we develop, first of all, the personal relationship with Christ and we're well-grounded in Scripture and we're living that out in a way where I'm sensitive to, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, and sensitive to the leadership and the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, that vision will become much more clear for us. Uh, and if it needs to be fine-tuned or redirected uh, and God is leading us in that direction, I think we'll get that message and it'll begin to come through for us. And if I mess up and I get off track, God is a gracious and a loving God who will woo us back and say, that's not where I intended you to be. Let's fix this. And I truly believe that um, he continues to work with us and continues to lead us throughout that process. Well, as I'm listening to you, it, it takes me back to something you originally said um, as we're coming to, to the end of this episode, where you said, vision, it's it's a lot harder than it sounds. And and listen to all the things that that throughout this episode you've you've woven in where, you know, you, this is is beneficial to creating it and this is beneficial to creating it. It all ultimately is up to me, and I can understand why not many people have a personal vision because it's 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 a lot of work. It it's, is. A, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of upkeep. Um, it requires, it sounds like, getting off of TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, uh, getting getting those distractions out of the way, and finally looking at if I actually want to know my calling if I want to have a vision and understand my priorities in life, uh, I, I need to get close to God and move away all the distractions. So my priority then is ultimately getting close to Jesus and then going from there. Uh, and, and you're right. You said earlier too, it's a still small voice. And I think that's on purpose because if he's just yelling over the, the crowd, then he's just another voice in the crowd but a lot of times when you're speaking to someone who's speaking too loud to you, a strategy is to, hey, just calmly talk. And they have to come down and, and, and start to listen. Um, so that's a lot of work. It is. <laughs> that's a lot of work. I didn't say this was easy. <laughs> so maybe we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll close with this. If, if there's something you could say to, to our listeners – um, to encourage them, to give them, because if they're like, yeah, well, maybe I'll just not do the vision thing this week because I still have a lot of distractions left. Laundry, kids camp, we're starting uh, drama this week, and baseball is just finishing it. Well, all, all these things, this week isn't good for me. 
if there's a, 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 some encouragement you would give to somebody on developing this vision, maybe a starting point or, or something they, that would help them and encourage them um, from, from you to the listener, what would that be if you could talk to them right now? Real quickly, I think the most important thing that I could say is repetition is essential. If you want to learn any new skill, if you want to learn to play the guitar or piano, you're much better off to practice 15 minutes every day than you are to spend two and a half, three hours on a Saturday afternoon. Repetition is essential in the spiritual life. We have to keep bringing ourselves back and center upon God and learn to hear that still small voice. Uh, I used to say many years ago when I first began ministry that I felt like television was the enemy uh, and was was going to do more to destroy families and Christian life than anything else. That was years ago. I no longer say that. Now I say the internet is the greatest enemy. Just like you, you mentioned TikTok, Facebook, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Notice when you, if you're in a restaurant, couples, they don't even talk to each other. They're both, you know, as soon as they sit down and place their order, they pull out their phones and they start fiddling with their phone. Uh, downtime is essential. Just turn the thing off and, and take some time. And it may not be an hour or two hours. It may be 15 minutes, uh, but repetition, coming back and, and just seeking after that relationship with God, connection with others, having having people that I can go to and say, I think God's telling me this. What do you think? You think that makes sense? It just relate to one another. Uh, I think that's the, the simplest and most important thing that we can do to, to start this process. Well, in, in that uh, in that repetition, that practice, understanding that the old adage is not true. Practice doesn't make perfect; it just makes progress. Uh, so, uh, well, we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes to your your website. There uh, it has your contact information. If if anyone's listening and they want to know more from from Doctor Barber or reach out to him or. Know, consider uh, visiting him at his, uh, you know, the, the uh, Counseling Alliance LLC. We'll have that in the show notes for you. But uh, Dr. Barber, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And and uh, I know your time is valuable, but we appreciate uh, everything you've talked with us about today. Thank you so much. Well, you're certainly welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. And just I uh, thank God for, for the work that you're doing, uh, along with Ryan and, and the others. Uh I, I think it's uh, really a breath of fresh air that uh, is desperately needed. So, so thankful to be a part of it. I love it. And I'd love to have you back on, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in the after show maybe. All right. And uh, for you, the listener, we'll be, we'll be back in two weeks. As always, uh, Dr. Barber is actually going to be one of our speakers. Like I said, at legacy conference, the very first men's conference from grace story, uh, part of our ministry to men, in 2023. That's in May. Tickets are already on sale for that. Uh, so again, FOMO is real. If you don't want to miss out, um, there's all sorts of things being planned. 
head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com. Uh, click on conference. You can get your registration locked in and go ahead and see uh, who the speakers are uh, for that. Now, I say it every time, but there is no us without you. Uh, so we want you to dig into what we've talked about today. Uh, get your registration square away for conference. Continue on your journey of restoration along with us. And we'll be praying for you. We'll see you in two weeks. Don't stop. Don't give up. You're a part of the Grace Story community.